The Last Word with Matt Cooper. There are all sorts of reasons why we have road incidents, collisions, and leading to deaths. Sometimes it's speeding, sometimes it's drink driving. Drug driving is another one I could have mentioned. But what about the conditions of the roads themselves? Geraldine Herbert, motoring editor of the Sunday Independent. A revelations today about a briefing document given to the Transport Minister Eamon Ryan by Transport Infrastructure Ireland. What was in it? Yeah, stark predictions from Transport Infrastructure Ireland and basically what it was advising was that a failure to properly invest in new road projects and improvements over the next five years could result in 77 deaths and 381 serious injuries and they they, uh, they listed some of the roads and some of them the projects that are ongoing and uh, highlighted in particular various different ones. One of them was um, if there isn't advances in the Cork City Northern Transport Project it forecasts 18 deaths and 252 serious injuries. Which are very serious numbers and what reason has there been for a failure to invest in these roads? Well, I'm not so much it's a failure to invest, but we're, like uh, Minister Eamon Ryan has been very clear that it's going to be sort of a two-to-one um, investment ratio in terms, of ro- in terms of public transport and cycling and walking infrastructure versus roads. And I mean, I think there's a very strong need to prioritise investment in these areas because obviously they're essentially playing catch-up. But I think what these figures really highlight is, you know, there is a need for investment in, in road infrastructure and a key component of, the, I suppose, the dramatic reduction in road deaths over the last few decades has been down to investment in road infrastructure so it's hard to see that it's not a combination of both it can't be one or the other really I'm just looking through the list here of the potential locations where an upgrade could be done to try and protect against fatalities you have the N3 when you come off the M50 going to Clonus the N2 Rath Roundabout to Kilmoon Cross, the N4 Manus to Leak Slip, uh, the N11 M11 Junction 4 to Junction 14 needs improvements. As you mentioned, the Cork City Northern Transport Project. Down in Kerry, the N22 Farm 4 to Killarney Bypass. In Cavan, the N3 Virginia Bypass. Then you have the N4 Carrick and Shannon to Dromod Bypass. In Limerick, the N21 Newcastle West Relief Road and the N21 Abbey Field Relief Road. Uh, back in Mayo, you've got the N58 uh, Foxford Bypass. In Cork, the N72-73 Mallow Relief Road. You have the N2 Slane Bypass. Oh, I'll get to some of the others. It's such a long list. There's another page of them. Connor Faulkner, who's with us as well. Uh, Connor, of course, is with the RIAC these days. What do you make of this failure to upgrade or repair mm. existing roads. Yeah, it's a really interesting piece, isn't it? And of course it comes from, as Geraldine was laying out, uh, TII making their point to Eamon Ryan last year. Uh, a couple of things. Firstly, on the data, it can be calculated quite well uh, the lives that you will save when you invest in an upgrade of infrastructure. So, for example, you can look at flow data and international studies and know that a, a 2 plus 1 layout will be X amount safer per vehicle kilometre. And you can apply those actuarially and figure out it'll be 77 deaths Uh, and you do that when you're making a business case for anything, building a hospital, anything you want to do, it's a little bit academic and it's a little bit dry but the point is we do need, there are patches on our road network that we still need to do and I think it's really important for Eamon Ryan and for everybody in the conversation to take that 2 plus 1 not as an ideological red line but as a sensible rule of thumb and a fair point but don't let us stop us doing things that we manifestly need to do. What sort of things? What sort of things have to be done on these roads? 
Well, uh, in many cases, it's upgrade to dual carriageway because that's the flow that they're carrying. Uh, there's a, a Sorry, the roads are simply too narrow to carry the volume yeah, of traffic that they have. Correct. And if you look at, say, the, the route from Cork to Limerick, for example, the desire is to have dual carriageway all the way. And we can demonstrate in the same way that you can calculate the, the road safety benefits, you can calculate the economic benefits as well. The motorways that we have built in this country are now 20, pushing 30 years old any analysis of them would conclude they were very, very good investments for all sorts of reasons, not least road safety. Geraldine made the point, our road safety numbers are great over the last 20 years. Improved roads is a big part of that. So even as we recognise that we need massive investment everywhere else and roads can't be the priority and we've got to do a whole host of other things, so those are all completely fair points, but as I say that, that, that should be a sensible rule of thumb, not ideological handcuffs stopping government doing what we know we need to do. Okay, let me give you a list of the remaining roads that are mentioned in this Transport Infrastructure Ireland report. They might be very familiar to many of our listeners. The N24 between Kerr and Limerick Junction. The N25 Middleton to Yall in County Cork. The N2RD in County Loud to the south of Castle Blaney and Mona and Bypass. The N52 Tullamore to Kilbegan. The N17 Lock to Colony. The N25 Waterford to Glenmore. The N4 Mullingar to Longford. The N24 Waterford to Care and the N2 Clontibret as far as the border. It strikes me as well, Geraldine Herbert, that even if there is a bias towards public transport, if there's buses, the buses need roads to work on. If there's going to be electric cars taking over from petrol and diesel, they still need the roads to be on. Yeah, I mean, we can't ignore the roads, certainly can't. And I mean, the other thing as well is the government has committed to Vision Zero, which is a strategy to, to basically have road deaths by 2030 and eliminate them completely by 2050. Now, one of the big things in that is the emphasis shifts in, to the inherent risks in the design of our roads. So it's all about engineering risks out of our road. So I would have thought that this is what this is about because we know statistically that dual carriageways are far safer than single roads. And a lot of, I mean, we know also that 80% of our, of our road deaths are on rural roads. So, I mean, there's, there's definitely a road safety basis for this that, that should supersede anything else and I think it should be as important as you know, as everything else. A listener here says, this is Jeff, who says the quality of our roads is appalling. One of the biggest issues I find is the fact that generally speaking, the road markings are all but invisible as they're not maintained. Is that a fair criticism, Geraldine? Yeah, well, I, th- I think it varies across the country, but I think um, it, it is in, in some parts very definitely. Um, another point just to make, I, I, you know, this idea of spending two to one or whatever, it's not just simply a numbers game. I mean, we currently are spending a million a day on walking and cycling infrastructure, and that puts us on a par with countries like the Netherlands and Denmark. But, I mean, it's it's been, you know, it's very inconsistently been spent across the country with varying results. We don't seem to have a definition of what a safe, safe cycling path is. We have greenways that could actually work as interurban routes and they're being almost treated like sort of leisure and tourism routes. So, you know, we need to work out where that money is being spent and that we're getting a return on investment because it's one thing to allocate the money, it's another thing to actually get what you're paying for. Connor, there's a comment here from Martin Bradley in Wexford who says every country road should be resurfaced every 10 years like the rest of Europe and stop badly filling potholes and leaving loose chips everywhere. Is that a fair criticism that we don't maintain the quality of the surface and that we're behind the rest of Europe and how often we do it? It's a little harsh, it's a little unfair on us in the sense that we have a lot of secondary road. Just per capita, the the total road network's about 97,000 kilometres. Our primary road network, about six 
so 7,000 kilometres is actually very good. It'll, you know, bears favourable comparison with most other countries. But we've loads and loads and loads of small rural roads. How well they're maintained varies from county to county, varies from year to year. Uh, and there are years, you get a bad winter frost, for example, and it's, it's potholes all through the spring. Uh, and often they are kept in kind of a scruffy condition and, and upkeep just not good enough. But to be fair to them, as I say, there's an awful lot of road to maintain and the primary road network is, is, is not bad by European standards. See, the interesting thing about this, Connor, is we've discussed on this programme where we're getting lots of text messages in 20874100102 about the new roads that haven't been built, mm. such as the motorway between Cork and Limerick. Yeah. You talked about a dual carriageway, which I was surprised because a lot of people want a motorway. Well, high-grade dual carriageway is what they're talking about now, no. which is a little bit of... Uh, but it's a very, very good road design and again, um, fit for purpose. Okay, that, that's one, but it's yeah. still we're years talking about yeah. it. We're years talking about a ring road for Galway. Mm-hmm. There's another listener has brought up one which I haven't heard of been brought up in a while. An outer ring road outside the M50 badly needed, nace to swords. That simply isn't going to happen now, is it? No, I wouldn't think so. And that's, again, that's been on the table for, for, for many, many years in various iterations. We have an identified priority list. It's in the National Development Plan. We're going to do the stuff that we know we need to do. You read it out yourself, Matt. It's a long enough list. So we do need to crack on and do that. Uh, the broader point, um, as Geraldine was kind of saying it, there's an awful lot you can do on sustainable transport modes without spending a fortune. But if you want to build infrastructure, which the country is going to need for the future, Future, that is expensive to do and it is going to include motorways and it is going to include roads even if you know in the foreseeable lifetime of these roads all the cars will be emission free autonomous x y and z we're still going to need those motorways and and you know we need to crack on and build them and Geraldine, connor keeps talking about the motorways and i can understand that and talk about new roads but Existing roads do need to be maintained and even if there's a bias towards public transport for good reasons, for environmental reasons, surely we can't move away from spending the money that's required in widening existing roads if there is a volume of traffic that is likely to remain in the future in the absence of a suitable train network, for example. Yeah, I do think so. I think the issue here is whether or not, the, given this sort of ratio that's been allocated, whether or not there will be money for that. But I would have thought the the road investment needs to be on the roads that we have at the moment, and that needs to be spent. I can understand the arguments against new roads. I mean, look, I think the, you know it, it, it's no longer a given that investment in roads is a good thing. We have to view things on a, on a case by case basis. And you know, in terms of building new roads, economists refer to this concept as induced demand, and it's basically the idea that any new road encourages more traffic and results in an upsurge in vehicle miles travelled. So I can understand the hesitancy about planning new roads, but I think there's a certain amount that has to be done. And we see from these figures from a road safety perspective, you know, they need, the existing roads need to be upgraded and there are some new developments that just have to go ahead. Uh, this listener here says, the madness of the M50 was evident this week when a two-car crash paralysed nearly all of Dublin for hours. Coming from Dundalk, why do I need to go through the M50 to go to the south of the country? I think it was mm. more than two cars looking at the video I yeah. I mean, it seemed like there were six or seven sort of concertinas into each other. That's right. It's the busiest single road in the country. It's a key part of the national infrastructure 
border and if something blocks it it's going to be a major thing and look that's not unique to Ireland it is true um, there were all sorts of things at one stage one of the proposals was an eastern bypass of Dublin so that the port tunnel as exists now would be the northern leg that also be a southern leg that was never built and maybe it wouldn't have been a good idea but I'll tell you what one thing that would help right across the piece we did successfully build a lot of motorway some people say we built too much I, I disagree with that I think it's paid us back it's been great but we haven't done nearly as well on building rail so things like the rail link to the airport for example that in and of itself would take a hell of a lot of pressure off the M50 so if, if motorways are the only things we're building then it's perhaps unsurprising that people are critical of that and say don't build any more I'm sorry Colin there's another one here says another listener says not being allowed to cut the verges all summer on roads caused poor visibility and led to accidents is that a fair criticism? Uh, I don't know to be honest with you there's a balance to be struck there a, you know, an environmental balance and it, it probably varies from council area to council area and I think it is just one of those things in, in, in spring in Ireland you do need to be careful on hedgerows there are individual counties where I know it's bad and there are certainly individual rural politicians who made an enormous song and dance about it but it's kind of always been there and again if you have lots and lots and lots of really minor road you're going to have a lot of that sort of problem they don't have the same in Holland for example and just to finish with you Geraldine Herbert another listener Paul says well I agree that the roads are in a poor state and need improving there's also a need to improve the standard of driving out there standards are falling badly the poor standard of driving is also a contributory factor to the number of accidents and fatalities we don't have time for a long discussion on that but is it a valid argument to make that we talk about speeding drink driving drug driving but it could be just bad driving is a major issue as well Geraldine yeah, and I think if you travel on the motorway, you see the bad standard of driving. And it seems to have got worse. Anecdotally, it seems to have got worse in the last while. Um, but definitely, it's a combination of these things. And it's not just down to improved roads. That's not going to solve our issue at the moment overnight. But I do think, you know, it's a combination of things. We need lower speed limits on some of our rural roads, better road surfaces, and, you know, better enforcement. So it's a number of things that need to be done, Matt. Thank you very much, Geraldine Herbert, motoring editor of the Sunday Independent. Conor Falkland, uh, transport commentator and chief executive of the RIAC. Cormac and Lance said there are far too many HGV vehicles on our roads causing congestion and damage, not enough rail goods transport. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.